<laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to an episode of Be Here for a While. Sorry, I snorted up top. I am. I can't stop watching this video of my myself uh, as a child, which I know sounds a little psychotic that I keep rewatching this video, but there's a reason behind why I just watched it right before doing this podcast. Um, it's it it's so ridiculous. It just. And I don't know if everyone will find it funny, but when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, I was a weird motherfucker even as a kid. And but it's cute. It's like childhood innocence, too. But the reason why I watched it right before I did the podcast uh, is that I uh, I was like a little uh, podcast intro. I was a little I went to an audition and uh, did some other work and. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to record my ad or do my podcast intro right now. And then I was like, but I do want to. I just need to get in the right mindset. And I was like, what will make me laugh? (laughs) And it really is this. Why does my home phone have to ring every single time I'm doing my podcast? I know having a home phone is like a little serial killer-ish. I think that it's actually a good idea in the event of an earthquake, but I don't know why it has to ring every single time I'm podcasting. Anywho, so yeah, if you could just not ring right now, phone, that would be fantastic. I know it's a telemarketer calling. I do not want to buy what you're selling. Let's, whatever pyramid scheme it is, I'm all set. Anywho, so I, yeah, so I was just like, whatever, a little tired. Um, so this video, I I just, felt, so over uh, Christmas, my uh, my dad my, one of my dad's friends, I don't know how he had a lot of like childhood footage of us. It was like, I don't know if he filmed it or my dad eventually gave it to him to convert into something that we could watch um, on like on a DVD uh, because I wasn't born in like 97. We still did shit like on a camera back when I was born. Anyways, and so we, I have not seen any of this footage either, either ever or in years, but maybe it just didn't resonate with me when I was a kid. And we we popped it in the DVD player and we watched it over Christmas. I could, first of all, could not stop laughing about so many things in it. I was a ridiculously happy child, which was really cool to see. Because sometimes like you're living in LA after a while, you're just like, oh, yeah, things are hard. But, but I am overall a happy person. But like to watch myself as a child, I was like, I was, God, I was having a good time. And so there's... <laughs> One of the segments of the video is me and my best friend as a child, uh, Kylie Johnson. And this might be hard to describe over a podcast. So if you want to go watch this video, um, it's on my Instagram. Um, my Instagram is at Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N-O-B-R-I-E-N. Um, so it's this video of me and my friend Kylie uh, just thinking we're, we're crushing this dance number. It's a duet if you will. And, but my sister's in the back as a hype man. (laughs) And it's, we're so serious about it. There's so much spunk, so much confidence, but we're horrible. And, and now as like an adult, and and, because we're dancing to like crisscross or something. And uh, what was the song? Like daddy make it, make it jump, jump that song. And as an adult, like I always knew it was sort of like an awkward, like hip hop or like cool dancer, fantastic ballet dancer as a kid. And frankly, I can still do a pirouette with the best of them. But I always have known like, God, I just like, I can't quite do all the cool shit that people do. 
now I know why. Because my attempt even as a child to do cool dancing is so awkward that it makes it makes me uncomfy and it makes me laugh. I mean, there is there is a there is a point in the in the in the dance number where Kylie's not we're not in sync, right? It's like I'm waiting. It's either she's too slow or I'm too fast. I don't know, but I'm waiting for her to go into our big split finale. And we're also not even flexible enough to do the splits we're attempting. They're like those, like, you know, like the splits that go like front ways. These are the ones that go sideways, which are very hard to do. Um, And so I don't know if I'm just like waiting for her to catch up. And it's like, I just keep jumping and like just almost hitting the the moment where I, I jump into the splits. And then I jump into the splits. I'm like still waiting for her, I think, to get into the splits. And so I like prop myself up and then I tip backwards don't miss a beat. And then I go into some weird side motion while I'm in the splits. It's not going to be as funny unless you watch the video or perhaps it's still not going to be funny then to you. But to me, when I watch it, I'm like, it was, it's like watching, do you remember um, the Chris Farley, uh, Patrick Swayze, Chippendale dancer SNL video? It's almost like that where they're so ridiculous, but they're taking it so seriously that I don't know. It's, it's, it just made me giggle. And I needed a good little giggle before I started podcasting um, or doing my podcast intro. So I a couple few other updates. I was in New York, which I which I talked about on my last podcast, which was super fun. Poopgate 2017, 2018 went off without a hitch. Uh, thank you for all your emails about that. I really appreciate it. Met the folks and then unexpectedly decided to fly to Michigan for... Um, uh, Jax's dad's funeral. Uh, Jack, I don't know if, if who was listening to this and who knows much backstory. Jax is, uh, is a friend of mine. He's on the show Vanderbilt Rules that I occasionally appear on and all my friends are on. And um, yeah, his dad died, uh, which is horrible. And we decided to fly to Michigan and go honor uh, Ron Couchy, which I'm really happy we did. I am really, really happy we did. Uh, Ron was a great man. And uh, Stassi, my friend who has a podcast called Straight Up with Stassi, we recap that on her podcast. So if you want to listen to the recap, check that out, Straight Up with Stassi. So without further ado, let's get into my podcast. I have a wonderful guest on. He's done my podcast before. He is a comedy industry legend. He is a huge comedy manager. He's been around for a long time. He's managed everyone from Dave Chappelle to Dane Cook. He used to own um, the Boston Comedy Club in New York. I know, weird that he named it that. Um, he uh, he's created TV shows. He's produced movies. He's 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 really had an incredible career, and he's done a lot of great things. And he gives a lot of incredible advice. Um, he also has a podcast called uh, Industry Standard with Barry Katz, and he's interviewed some incredible people on that. It just, it blows my mind that he's had people like. Uh, Norman Lear and and Bill Burr and Judd Apatow and then Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, it, it's 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 a fantastic podcast. So listen to it. Anyways, he's my guest today. He gives some wonderful advice about the industry. You know, he's old school. We we talk. We we just really get into it and just analyze a bunch of stuff. And yeah, listen to the end. You're gonna hear some incredible advice. And um, yeah, without further ado, Barry Katz. Barry has uh, done my podcast before. He also, I've also looked up to you for a long time as just a, you know, comedy mentor, guru type person. And uh, 
I explained it on the first time he's on my podcast, but you know, we had a meeting when I first started doing comedy. You were nice enough to take a meeting with me and give me advice. And, and you've always been open to like, just giving me advice here and there. So I've always very much appreciated that. And uh, now we get to work together on podcasting. So that's cool. It means a lot. What yeah. advice did I give you? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, well, I'll say your name first. This is Barry Katz and his <laughs> podcast is called Industry Standard. And um, also just a backstory on him. He's worked with every big comedy name there has been. I mean, you really have, technically. So yes, yeah, some advice you gave me. Well, the first time the, after our first meeting, it was you gave me the advice to write a script about um, my experience with dating uh, a, a, a paraplegic because you'd also worked uh, with uh, the disabled. And I think that is great advice because it it's it's also actually, you know, what's funny. I don't think I ever talked about robbie in my comedy until maybe after that meeting i think you actually gave me the idea i did write a script about it but it was a dramatic script and then you gave me the idea to make it funny to 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 just take that experience and turn it into a funny experience which it was and it it actually was at the time i mean he and i laughed about uh, you know we we were very light-hearted about his situation and and so yeah you actually that's really good advice i just realized that right now so then it ended up in my stand-up. Now it's like jokes I tell on stage. So I just think, dang, I owe you that. I just thank you. <laughs> I just think what you did, and and it's, I think it's just so incredible about how the difference between most men and most women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like most women they look at what's in somebody's heart and their mind and and they could be their looks as well but the fact that you chose to and you chose because it's always the woman that chooses Mm -hmm. no guy goes up to a woman and says let's go and she normally goes unless it's you know neil strauss from the game or that guy mystery are these are these paralyzed people I should know about? No, <laughs> but but for Barry, I'm horrible at knowing like a lot of pop culture references. Don't worry about it. Neil Strauss wrote a book called The Game, which uh, helped men uh, be better at meeting and picking up girls. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, but you could go to a bar and you could tap any guy on the shoulder and say, "Listen, I, I saw you from across the room and." Let's go. Will you come back to my apartment? And 99.9% of them would go. Mm-hmm. And so in dating somebody who's disabled, that just lets you know that it's a different world for women and men. I don't, I can never fully explain it or yeah. figure it out, but we it's hold like, that we hold the advantage in that respect. You always do that. Somebody once told me that there's, there's a woman has 10 fuck you years uh-huh. 10 years and and every woman's different it yeah. could be from when they're 18 to 28 could be when they're 20 to 30 could be when 30 to 40 35 yeah and those are the years where they just say fuck it there's nothing anyone can do to me say to me there's no experience i can't have and i'm going to have them yeah and then after that it's normally like okay i i I think the clock is ticking. I better get my act together I'm, here. I'm, I might be in the fuck you years, but I don't, I'm not ballsy enough to be like, fuck you. I, li- I honestly genuinely like nice people. Like, I don't, I'm not, listen, Barry, I tried to make a go of it and like date like, um, like cool, like rich, jazzy dudes when I first got single. And it, it was like, 
I only wanted to uh, date people that were like nice, you know, or be in business with people that were nice. So sometimes it's hard for me to like force myself to eat healthy. But thankfully, HelloFresh has um, alleviated that issue for me. I've been using HelloFresh for about a year now, and uh, I've really kicked it into gear after, you know, the new year, just trying to, you know, stay healthy, maybe lose a few pounds and just stay on a a good regimen, you know, because you're eating out a lot, you just don't feel good. And HelloFresh is amazing for this. So HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. And you can choose a delivery date that works with your busy schedule. It comes in an insulated box with ice. So even if you don't get home right away, it's, it's, it's there and it's going to be fresh and available for you. And they have flexibility with you know, the type of meal you want. You can get the classic, the veggie or the family. The veggie even has plant-based protein. So you're not missing out on the protein aspect. And the food is just delicious. I recently just made a, um, uh, this healthy, uh, fajita recipe that I absolutely loved. And I have an offer for my listeners, uh, for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit hellofresh.com and enter promo code be here 30. That's hellofresh.com Promo code be here 30. My mother once said something to myself and my sister. I'll never forget. She sat us down and not that this is what we're going to talk about today, but she sat us down. I was like probably 13. My sister was maybe 17. And she said two things that shocked me. Mm -hmm. First thing she said, she pointed at me and she said, I'm not worried about you, Barry. I'm worried about your sister. Ooh, confidence and my, boost. And my sister said, well, why, why are you worried about me? And she said, because with your brother, I only have to worry about one penis. <laughs> I'm not totally sure what you mean by that. You want to care to explain? Yeah, because a woman has to worry about whether she gets, you know, there's, there's many, many men who have uh, that apparatus that are after them. Uh-huh. With the guy, all she has to worry about is is keeping that one guy in check. Mm-hmm. With a woman, she has no control over all the men that are after her that she needs to keep in check. Yeah. But the second thing she said that stunned me, she says it takes just as much effort to fall in love with a nice rich man mm-hmm. as it does to fall in love with a nice poor man. Oh. And that's... That, you know, stunned me, especially being a young Jew. It, yeah. Uh, I'm still scarred by that. That's, I mean, it's really good advice. Now, I don't, how I don't, do you, I don't know. How do you feel like when you're, I, I don't know your, uh, your status, single or, and it's none of my mm-hmm. business, but let's presume you're single. Mm-hmm. How do you go about it in this world? I want to share something with you that I, I don't even know if I should share this on the air, but I'm going to. Hey, listen, if we fuck up, we'll just edit it out. I... Like I've been divorced for five years. Mm-hmm. I never, I know this is hard for you to believe. I never had an understanding of the world between men and women, the dynamic. I was married for a long time. And before that, I was married a long time ago, but my wife passed away and I spent a lot of years just in bed and just not really out there doing anything. And so when I became divorced five years ago, one of the things that I found that shocked me was the relationship and the dynamic between men and women was so diametrically different than anything I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And like I, 
like I know it's I, I'm self-deprecating. It's one of my probably my bad qualities, but like I, no one my age or even ten years younger than me or even fifteen years younger than me, they don't even care about me. No woman that age cares about yeah. me. They don't want to be around me. Well, you they never want... know. It depends on spent in L.A. It depends on how you position it. Probably, but most of them don't. Yeah. It's always the women who are much younger than me who want to uh, hang out with me. And mm -hmm. originally I thought, okay, well, do they want to hang out with me because they perceive me to be have more money than the average guy? Or do they want to hang out with me because I'm in the entertainment world or whatever it is? And what I find that's, that stuns me mm -hmm is the biggest reason they feel comfortable and safe hanging out with me, somebody so much older than them at times, is mentorship. Mm -hmm. they, they really want to learn about how the world works necessarily from somebody who's experienced mm -hmm. certain things that maybe they haven't, so they don't have to make the same mistakes that I made mm -hmm. or somebody who can be there for them when they're like, okay, I'm going up for this new job. What should I do to get yeah. to that point? Now I know people in the audience might laugh. Yeah, Barry, right. They're just there. No, to I do got this it. Listen, I, I can vouch for you. You don't, you don't come across as like when you're giving, like at least in my case, when you were giving me advice, I wasn't like, Oh, Barry's weird. I was like, I want to learn from him. You, you have, you have, you have knowledge that I can never know about the comedy world because because it's, I haven't experienced it. And and I love that, that time. I asked you, uh, I knew what I told you, but I asked you to share it with your audience. So I just mm -hmm. want you to know I wasn't like I didn't remember what yeah. I told you. But I think the thing is, is I love that part of the world. I love sitting across from you. I, I, I was, I'm really looking forward to this podcast because these podcasts are like, trying to say it in a way that they're like mini love affairs. Mm -hmm. Like you get to sit across from somebody and you have these incredible moments and time stops mm -hmm. and the wheel stops in your mind and you get to focus and look somebody in the eye. And yeah, because you can't be on your phone, like doing other shit, sending emails. Yeah. It's like you actually are as focused as people should be in real life when they, you know, but people aren't anymore because... Yeah, and it's incredible. And and the great part about podcasts, and I say this about industry standard that I do, is that the the reason that they feel like many love affairs, at least the podcast that I do, is that like in a relationship, think about this for a second. Okay. Uh, and I'd love your audience to think about this too. Uh, let's just look at your last relationship you were in. Okay. Okay. So... There was a point where you went out on your first date, mm -hmm. and then there was a point where you went into the bathroom during a time when you were with him, whether it was the second date, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the tenth. Yeah. And you were in the bathroom, and you looked in the mirror, and you said, it's going down tonight. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to sleep with this guy tonight. You know what, Barry? I tend to not think things through that much when it comes out. I'm like, it just depends on how many cocktails I've had. <laughs> I know that you know when it's going to yeah. happen. And so whatever 
date that was where you made that decision, Mm -hmm. that's when you felt safe enough that you could take off your clothes and be with somebody like that. And the podcast is the same way. Like when I'm interviewing somebody, there's these points where the guest feels safe Mm -hmm. and they'll tell me a story that will blow me away that they share with me. Mm -hmm. And it might come at the 90% mark of the podcast. Yeah. I've actually noticed that about your podcast. You wait until you get you people get comfortable with you. (laughs) Even the one you just did with Bill Burr. It was like you guys were just shooting the shit and joking around. And then finally, Bill Bill gave in and he was like, all right, I'll talk about personal stuff. <laughs> yeah, lo- you have lo- a way of wearing people down. <laughs> I love what I asked him about. I asked him about if he had a favorite there. And then he was like, what do you, what do you want me to go fucking Sophie's <laughs> Choice on me now? <laughs> it was a, He's but, so brilliant. <laughs> but the, that, that podcast was an anomaly yeah. because I was actually – editing that podcast this Sunday and I was on the floor of my house doubled over with a cramp just laughing so hard and it's never happened to me before where I was just I couldn't like I was hyperventilating laughing because he just destroyed me oh I love what he was talking about when you owed him 75 bucks but then pulled up to the comedy club in like a Ferrari or something. And he's yeah. like, what kind of asshole do you have to be? And then and I said, I said, I I, I tried to pay you back. You didn't take it. Yeah. But anyway, but but the <laughs> but Which is anyway, also but, it was like his Irish like pride or whatever, his Boston pride that he didn't want to take the money. That's true. But anyway, but there's so but there's also so those are the points in the podcast where it happens at the end. And it's like, okay, well, that's the eighth date on that one. Mm-hmm. But then there's times when, like with Brody Stevens, where in five minutes he's telling this incredibly heartfelt story where he's almost crying about his parents and his and his life. And, and that's the one night stand. That's yeah. the one where they, they feel safe after one date. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I look at the analogy of how things are. And now, I, do you think that it's, the, the type of per like do you think just because um bill burr's like kind of it's just he's like he's more closed off maybe or like it's just part of his thing do you think it's or do you think and, and maybe brody stevens is more emotional up top do you think it's the type of person they are or do you think it's just maybe what mood they were in that day or how your relationship with them beforehand it's a little bit of everything and yeah. it's kind of like when i share with you like, you know all the relationships you've had. Mm-hmm. You know when and if you've had a one-night stand. Mm-hmm. And you know when and if you've gone on 10 dates and finally were intimate with the person. Yeah. And what does it depend on? It depends on your chemistry with the person, the mood you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, you said it's how much alcohol you drink. Or it, Well, I mean, it could go either way. It could be like, I haven't had many one-night stands, if I'm honest, but... Uh, it was it was either like ah, I just didn't really give a fuck when <laughs> it just seemed fun at the time, or or it was maybe that the person. Well, I would never. You know what? When I think about it though. I would never. Uh, I'm actually a very big safety person in terms of like I don't make reckless decisions. Uh, like maybe I'll joke about it, but I don't actually. And so maybe it was that I could recognize quicker that they were like at least not going to murder me on the you know. 
There's a great uh, young comedian in New York, uh, Allie Breen, you might mm-hmm. know her. And she yeah. has a, this great joke. She says, I don't drink. You know, when I go on first dates, mm-hmm. I have to remind the guy, listen, I, I'm I'm still capable of making bad decisions. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's true. And, uh, but I think like when I, I always see the thing about men and women, I, I truly believe this. And again, I could be wrong. Women know the minute they meet somebody mm-hmm. normally, if they're going to sleep with them. Yeah. They know, they know in their mind, okay, I'm going to be intimate with this guy. I don't know when. Yeah. It's my choice, but it's going to happen. Yeah. The guy. Well, or it doesn't happen. What do you, what do you mean? If you want it to happen, it mm-hmm. happens. Okay. Oh, okay. So the guy still goes along every date or just not understanding that. Mm-hmm. Thinking, okay, I, I got to be on my best behavior. I got to make things work. Let me make sure I take care of this. Get our nice dinner here. He doesn't even understand that she's already made the decision. You're in. Mm-hmm. You're in, pal. And and men don't get, most men don't get that and understand. Another thing most men don't get, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, and she said that her girlfriend was upset because she really was attracted to this guy, and she had this thing in her mind that she obsessed about uh, being with this guy and sleeping with this guy, and she couldn't make it happen. Uh-huh. And the guy was like you know, looked, had the body type of Paul Giamatti. Okay. Ooh, big time. But she was like, <laughs> she just wanted to be with that guy. Mm-hmm. And guys don't understand as well a lot of times that most guys don't understand that women don't really think about the physical Yeah, as we much. can be attracted to uh, humor. Yeah. You can be attracted to kindness. You can be attracted to, it's, yeah. It doesn't mean that a woman isn't going to have a great time with Shannon Tatum mm-hmm. and his, you know, abs that look like he could circumcise a small Jewish boy off of yeah. him. But it's like... We, oh, I've been on plenty of dates with people that look like that. And, 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 and it's not that they're morons. I think some of them are morons. But you can't even have a conversation. It's just, as a girl, it's just not worth it. Unless, unless for some reason, you value looks more. That might be, I don't know. But it's... So for you, I'm curious, and maybe you don't want to talk about this because this isn't what we were here to talk about. But I think it will relate to business and, and the profession and comedy and everything. Okay. So for you, like, when you make a decision that you want to be intimate with somebody, yeah, what are the qualities in that man that are the most important in order, one through five, before you make that decision? I feel like there's, I feel like there's some girl you like right now, and you have a question about this. You want some advice. <laughs> a girl I like. There's probably, you know, are, you, are you currently dating? I I do date. Yeah. But uh is I, someone confusing you? I'm always slightly confused by women because yeah. I I haven't been out there that mm-hmm. much and it's odd for me because I don't consider myself that person. Yeah. Rachel, when I tell you this, I know you're not going to believe it. Okay. I don't remember ever once in my life walking up to a woman Mm -hmm. anywhere and saying, hi, my name is Barry. What's your name? Yeah. 
Uh, do you come here often or whatever? Mm-hmm. I'm the guy in the corner by the pillar. Yeah. Well, I, I, Barry, ne- I believe you, but especially based on your backstory. I know what happened to your first wife, and then, then you were – that's got to be so emotionally scarring that um, you can't uh, – I don't know if you want to say it, but your first wife died when you were very young. Yes. And that's probably made you a little skittish about everything. And I know yeah. I believe you. And so – but I do meet a lot of people and I, I, I love going out with, uh, to dinner and to, on dates with women. I love the conversations. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, in all honesty, I probably, uh, probably go out with just as many men for dinners or lunches as I do with women. But obviously the men, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not playing on that team, but I love conversations. Yeah. I love I love the conversation. That's why I love the podcasting world. I, mm-hmm. I, I really love this. It feeds, it's like almost like emotional food. Mm-hmm. And there's a level of intimacy to it. When I sit across from you, I, again, it's it's crazy, but I have a great chemistry with you when mm-hmm. I sit across with you. I could talk with you forever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great, but it doesn't last forever, mm-hmm. but it feeds my, you know, whatever it is in my mind and helps inspire me and get me where I want to go. So I do meet a lot of people. I don't really necessarily know how they find me or mm-hmm. how they meet me or how it happens. It's because I, because I think it's because you're, um, you, you, you are kind of seeking knowledge yourself. You, you like to figure out how to make things work, understand things. I'm just guessing here. And and I think that people so then gravitate towards you for that. Uh, different in business than in in dating. But I'm I'm sure in dating, it's also that you make them feel safe. You've used that. You've brought that up many times. I think that you. I don't know. It's just like, I mean, unless you're stealing seventy five bucks from Bill Burr. I mean, I just think it's like you uh, you emanate. So it's like you know, like a a, a, a trustworthiness. And yeah, I mean, I. Even Bill Burr said at the end, he loves me to death. No, I know. I'm. T- I you guys got to listen to the podcast to know that it's hysterical and <laughs> and. When he says he loves me to death, I think that that might be an indication. Who knows? But yeah. I think that I like I've been out. Again, this this sounds crazy. I've been out with one person ten times. Mm-hmm. Never, never kissed them. Yeah, maybe hugged them. And had the greatest times ever and never had any intimacy with them Mm -hmm. and still remain close to them. Yeah. I don't, I'm not the guy who the shortest distance between two points Mm -hmm. is below my belt buckle and below their belly button. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't matter to me. Granted, obviously... I'm not dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, people like to have pleasure. They mm-hmm. like to have intimacy. But in my mind, I feel like you can always have that. Yeah. You can always figure out a way to have sex with somebody. Mm-hmm. But you can't always have an incredible, extraordinary conversation. And if you have extraordinary conversations, if you want to have the intimacy, it will come anyway. It will yeah. happen. So I never really worry. I never put pressure on it. As a matter of fact, if I go out with people, there's normally, I think there's tension on the woman's side mm-hmm. because she's probably wondering, my God, this guy hasn't even 
I mean, what, this guy yeah. does he does he think? Yeah, I'm maybe gonna... she like the the girl gets in her head. I yeah. don't know. Maybe we got to get you back in the saddle, Barry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of saddle that would be, but uh, this is a weird way. This I never thought this podcast would start this way. You, whatever. You it's the stuff, me. but it's the stuff that everyone's talking about nowadays too. It's whatever. Um, well, I want to I want to talk more about like I don't know, uh, more of your your career and and what you're working on now and where you want the podcast to go and and all that stuff and. Um, and by doing that, maybe I can learn some more shit about my own comedy career because I'm still I'm still building it, but it's taken a turn <laughs> in a good way. What's the turn it's taking in a good way? Um, we talked about this a bit before, but I've I have been, you know, I, I appeared on a reality show. But I did it in a way, a, a way, a tactful way. I mean, there was there was many reasons why I appeared on it. Number one, they basically said I could they would film me doing comedy on it, which could have ended up not going well for me. Um, and there were certain points where, uh, you know, people like because, you know, reality shows are about people fighting, basically. And there were someone was that they hated that that was what I did when they're, you know, doing whatever they're doing. And uh, so it could have gone in a bad way, but it didn't, I think, also because the people on the show genuinely are my friends. But, you know, I had when I first started doing the show, the reality show, I'd been doing comedy for four years at that point. I was already a comedian or maybe three years. I was already a comedian trying to make it. That was my first love was doing comedy. That's what I wanted to do. But when I first started doing the reality show, other comics would sort of like, I know they made fun of me and I know that they they were they they I know that they thought like oh that's not going to be good for her career. Or comics make fun of other comics, really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who or knew? like hate on it and all that. Yeah. What a shocker. Yeah. <laughs> and I I knew I knew that, but I, I just knew... want to say something what? to you that I, I want to share, and it's really important hmm. uh, for your audience. Yeah. Um. Go on YouTube and uh, and download "Walk on Water" by Eminem and Beyonce. Love that song. And download the video that has the words on it Uh and see how Eminem, the greatest storyteller Mm -hmm. in music in my generation, feels about himself as an artist Mm -hmm. and talks about haters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're an open micer, a new actor or actress, whatever profession you're in, if you're the highest level. Mm -hmm. I just saw the All the Money in the World movie about... uh, Getty. Yeah. It doesn't matter what level you're at. You're always going to have haters. Yeah. You're always going to have people trying to take you down. Yeah. And it's how you can handle that mentally. Yeah. I've been listening to that song religiously since it came out because there's parts in it where he says he goes into the studio or whatever and trying to like create a new rhyme and then he all of a sudden gets in his car afterwards and just hates himself. I mean, it's it's the way it is. But I think, yeah. So basically, I... It's it's now finally it it worked out for me. I got a bigger following from the show. It seemed to be doing okay at least, but that can change at any time. But basically, yeah, I finally feel like all the people that sort of made fun of me for it are now like, oh, well, not all of them. Some people still make fun of me or like, oh, now she has a following and she can sell tickets. Maybe I do want to put her on a show or. So where are you working now where you're noticing that there's a change? I'm I'm. I'm at the comedy store a lot. I'm now touring. I mean, I've, I've been doing the comedy store for a while, but originally it was bringer shows. But now, um, 
you know, it's like other comics, other headliners will bring me on the road. Well, great. Now I'm starting to see that maybe they will let me feature or maybe it could get to the point where I'm they're going to allow me to headline myself. And I mean, I I am. Uh, It's just it's like, you know, when you can just start to feel that something something's changing for you, you're starting to get more respect because, you know, I mean, like, it's just it's surreal to me to have been made fun of before. And especially maybe just even being a girl, it's surreal to me to then be on a show at the comedy store with Judd Apatow and Pete Holmes and then have Pete Holmes come up to me afterwards and be like, that was really funny. And I'm like, people like me. All right. Like, they actually think I'm funny. And he knows nothing about me being on the reality show. He just knew that he liked my comedy. But that's the greatest thing in the world yeah. where somebody who's respected comes up to you yeah, and tells you you're funny. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's the greatest thing. That lets you know you're doing the right thing. Yeah. So. That's yeah. so great. So that's the turn. And so how, I know you're asking me questions, but like, so how do you, now that you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and how you're doing it, what's the next thing that you feel in your mind you have to do? Like, who do you look at in the comedy world and see a formula that you want to emulate or a blueprint? Yeah. um, I think the best thing I can do is, is... Well, in terms of, of the I do I do need the the following at this point to book the shows because no one's going to book. I can't be so arrogant to be like, well, I am just funny. And like, you know, but if no one knows who I am, the club's not going to book me necessarily or the people. It's just that's just how my career had to go. So keeping that in mind. But then also the next step for me is is always writing, always coming up with better stuff and newer stuff, because I want to honor the fact that comedy is the number one thing. So. You know, even so, even just hearing, you know, Bill Burr on your podcast, you know, you were you were talking about how something, some YouTube videos sort of changed the course of his career. Um, but he also was doing the work like he was getting better. And, and, and so, I mean, basically his career. I mean, who doesn't want, you know, but I but when I was listening to your podcast with him. His specific story really resonated with me where I'm like, yeah, of course, something did change the course of his career a little bit, but he did all the work too himself. I mean, no one's done any of this shit for me. (laughs) I've had to like write and, you know, and do this. And so, yeah, basically someone like him. I think it's amazing what you've done. And I think that you should be really, really proud. It's, 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 I mean, it's an amazing accomplishment when you think about it, technically speaking. Mm -hmm. On paper, okay, mm-hmm. this isn't you as Rachel, this is just mm-hmm. on paper. Okay. On paper, it could be argued that you shouldn't be doing what you, as well as you're doing. Yeah. On paper, it could be argued that you might be at a lesser point at this stage of the game than you are. Mm-hmm. But it just shows what you're doing and you're your belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say like the world speaks. Mm-hmm. They, America always speaks and they spoke and they, and they, and they, they always speak and they tell you, they mm-hmm. tell you what you're going to do and they tell you what you do right mm-hmm. and what you do wrong. Well, and, and, I think... and you're doing it and you're Thank making you. it happen. And other people, at your stage of the game, as far as stand-ups, let's say, mm-hmm. you know who your peers are. You know who the people are when you watch them. You don't have to mention their names, mm-hmm. but when you see them, you're like, I'm at that person's level. 
And I can guarantee you that probably all but 1% of them, mm-hmm. okay, are not at your level in terms of exposure mm-hmm. because they haven't figured out how to push themselves I 1% because I think, I think, I think people are starting to catch on with like, oh, you have to use social media and all that stuff more, but they can some ca- people are they can stubborn. Catch on, that doesn't mean it works. Yeah, that's true. Just because you're on social media doesn't mm-hmm. mean people want to watch you or follow yeah. you. You well, have to have something to offer and what you're offering, people are loving. And yeah. that's really impressive. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I have to be honest. I think there is a, a really honest love of comedy. I mean, it's the, the it's how I've been since I was a kid. It's like, it's what, you know, it's what I idolize looking up to. It's what I've, I've known I want to do my whole life. So it's not just that I was like, oh, I moved to L.A., to be an actress, and then how can I really just finagle how to become famous? Uh, so I'll do comedy because that'll be, you know, it's 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 that I, I you know, really love it. It shows that you love Thank it. You. Appreciate it. So back to you, Barry. This is enough about me. Maybe one day I can do your podcast and we can talk about me. But this is All about right. you. Um, so what's what's your goal for where you want to take your podcast? I mean, I've been a big fan of your podcast for. I mean, you're actually the first podcast I listen to because obviously the way my brain works is I just want to absorb information about comedy and I like you. Um, And uh, so you've had incredible guests on. Why don't you list a few of who they are? And then my next question is what where do you go from there? What do you want to do next? Um, The podcast, essentially, if you don't know about it, it's uh, what I do is I, I interview people about their journey from humble beginnings and how they got to the next level. But in between, we talk about a lot of issues. And I normally start the podcast off with a cold open where I, I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I look at them and it's an instinctual thing how it ties in. And I've interviewed everybody from Kevin Hart to David Copperfield to Judd Apatow, president of Netflix, Ted Sarandos, to... Caitlyn Jenner and her only 90-minute interview since Diane Sawyer, but I also have interviewed Norman Lear and the late Gary Marshall and in his last interview. And I feel strangely humbled and blessed that these people sit down with me. I don't, I've sat down with over 25 network executives, I'm network presidents, uh, film studio heads, but also some of the biggest people in their professions and and I'm grateful that they say yes. Yeah. And uh I I want them to feel great and I want them to know that it's something that that was meaningful to their audience yeah. and that there was inspirational because that's what I always felt. You ask where I want to take things. You know, I'm a manager and I manage artists and I I produce film and TV. I just I mean I just did a film uh, of all, uh, I'm the only person to ever admit to killing JFK, and and that was in theaters in May. But I also did a comedy film with um, called Misery Loves Comedy with Tom Hanks and Amy Schumer, and and so I I I do a lot of different things. The podcast I do in my spare time, I do it at lunch times, and I edit on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at a lunch time now doing this, and, yeah. And um, but I always felt like. If you manage somebody and you do something great with their talent and yours, like get them Saturday Night Live with their talent, you're so excited and it's amazing. And then a day later you realize, well, 
I did my work, they did theirs, and but I only helped one person. Yeah. And the podcast gave me the um it gave me the opportunity to help a lot of people. Like, you know, when you say you listened, mm-hmm. that's the thing in this podcast that it just it it really hit hit me like mm-hmm. I got emotional when you said that because because that's that's all I wanted, you know. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to share knowledge and help more than I didn't feel like. Bec- I love being a manager. It's incredible. It's such a great thing, but it's also limiting in the sense that I'm only helping those people, and I want to be able to help those people and give them more of me. But I also want to give other people as yeah. much as I can offer from my experience in the business. Well, actually, that that brings me to, and this is how we can wrap it up so you can make it to your meeting and I can make it to eat some food. Um, hold on, where's my phone? I had a a, um, a couple people, I, I only have like an hour and a half before we did this podcast, I put an Instagram thing out um, and got uh, some messages from listeners. Do you mind answering their questions real quick? No, I love okay. it. Um, the first one was, I can just, I have that one already in my head, was what do you think the best way for someone who's a writer to submit a screenplay, get it read, all that? Uh, the best way to get a a half hour uh, read or a screenplay? They just said screenplay. Okay, so the best way to get a screenplay read, the first thing you want to do is you want to read all the books you can on writing a screenplay. You want to absorb all the knowledge you can. Um, Study greatness, imitate greatness, become great. I think I said that. I just realized I stole that line from you. I just said that the other day on a podcast. I was like, where did I hear that before? Don't worry about it. I stole it it from you. Don't worry about it. I think we talked about that on the past podcast. So, So you want to make sure you absorb and you have all the knowledge possible before you start doing anything. It's Mm -hmm. like you don't want to start playing baseball without understanding the fundamentals. You just don't want to go into a class on law without knowing anything about law. You want to make sure you start off where you have a little bit of advantage over the rest of the field. Mm -hmm. And so when you start, you have a really, you hit the ground running Mm -hmm. and you have all the structure. You make sure you get the right software from final draft or whatever software you use. And then when you start writing, you want to also listen to, as you're writing, listen to people along the way. Maybe there's lectures, TED Talks, Mm -hmm. podcasts, on how people's process was that you didn't hear, that you didn't hear before. And so then after you finish your script, let's say, let's just say you're a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that you got something special? Well, hopefully you can reach out to other people who are at your level or around your level and what I like to tell people to do is a little unorthodox. Mm-hmm. I like to tell people to put uh, a different name on it when they give it to their friends or people they or a comedian they oh. want to read it or mm-hmm. a manager that they want their opinion on. So they take them out of the game of like judging them. Yeah. And say, listen, uh, this person's doing this film and they want me to play this role, and uh, I'm really excited about it, but I trust your opinion more 
What do you Ooh, think of the script? Smart move. And so then they won't judge you and they won't say, ah, well, you wrote this or whatever. And then you'll get an honest opinion. They'll say the script sucks. They'll mm-hmm. say the script is, is, is great. They'll say anything in between because they know they don't have to worry about your feelings. That's fantastic advice. And then after you get it to a place where 10 people read it and say, holy shit, this is good as anything I've ever read. Then you're ready to get it to somebody at a higher level. Mm -hmm. And that's how you do it. And you keep enrolling people and reading things until you get to a point where Mm -hmm. there's an agent that you could submit it to or a manager or something like that. Yeah. But you can't do it until you're 100% sure that it's holy shit funny or holy shit impactful and undeniable. That's great advice. And that's what we're going to end the podcast on. That's really, really good, really good advice. Um, Barry, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, so tell everyone where they can find you and, and just say your podcast name one more time. No problem. They can find me at, at Barry Katz at Twitter and all the other social media places that I'm uncomfortable with. Yeah. And the podcast is industry standard. And um, I guarantee you, you subscribe. It's free. It's it. I know it'll be impactful to everybody listening. If you can just pe- get past the sound of my own voice, you'll <laughs> it's be good. It's really good. Okay. And, uh, and then I'm going to say stand updates real quick. Um, I am. Well, I'll just tell the ones that I. Uh, that I can do quickly. Uh, January 26th, I'll be at the Curious Comedy Theater in Portland, Oregon with uh, Johnny Mitchell. We are co-headlining and uh, I hope all my Oregon people come out. He's also an Oregonian, so I'm excited to uh, to see all you guys. Um, yeah, I'm just going to give that one for now. All right. Thank you. Bye.